Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin-Baseman, and I'm the producer of this new podcast from the Taos News. Every week, we will be bringing you a voice from our Taos community. Our guest this week is Robin McKinney-Martin. She's been the owner of the Taos News since 1978. She was the publisher of the paper for about a decade and later of our sister paper after her father died in 2001. That is the Santa Fe New Mexican. Her title at both papers now is owner. She's been a board member of the Associated Press and was inducted into the New Mexico Press Association Hall of Fame in 2014. She is also my mother. Welcome. Thank you. Most people say they're delighted to be here, but I'm not because I'm shy and I don't like speaking in public, but my daughter asked me to do this, so here I am. Excellent. Well, I, sometimes family connections have their benefits, I must say. So, well, oh, I'm happy to do it for you. Well, thank you. Um, I think... One thing that a lot of people don't know about the Taos News or even about newspapers in the area in general is their history. So I was hoping maybe you could give a background of newspapers in Taos County. Oh, okay. Well, the Taos News started in 1959, so it's a pretty new newspaper. But this is the story my father told me, and... I have heard from historians that it's not true, but my father believed it, and uh, when I was a little girl, I loved the story, so I'm going to tell it. So uh, New Mexico and Mexico became independent from Spain in 1821, and not long after that, there were a couple of brothers named Abreu who brought a press up on the Camino Real from Mexico City to Santa Fe, and they published a paper. It was critical of the government, so the um, government enforcers took the Abreu brothers and hung them in the Santa Fe Plaza by their thumbs and flayed them alive. And that was the end of the press in, in, in the paper in Santa Fe. So my father told me that Padre Martinez then took the paper up to Taos, the, the press up to Taos. And Padre Martinez, as everybody knows, uh, was a famous Tausenio. And his family lived at the um, Martinez Hacienda. So Martinez was a priest up here, and um, he started the paper, according to my father, in 1834. And he named it El Crepúsculo de la Libertad. And Crepúsculo is, in English, gloaming, the time of day or night when the sun is below the horizon and it's not quite dark. So it can either mean dawn or twilight. So um, Martinez called it <coughs> El Crepúsculo de la Libertad, which means the dawn of liberty. His detractors and detractors ever since have said it was the twilight of liberty. <laughs> anyway, um, according to my father, there weren't many people in Taos who could read, so... Uh, Martinez switched over from r doing a newspaper to printing books, and he printed an orthography book, which was spelling and grammar. He had a school up here. And in 1970s or early 80s, the Taos News sponsored a, a show at the Millicent Rogers Museum 
about Padre Martinez, and we had a book written too, but the show showed this orthography book and some of the other things that Padre Martinez owned. There is no newspaper, so maybe the historians were right. Maybe there wasn't a newspaper hmm. uh, printed. But anyway, um, according to my father, after the press was used here by Padre Martinez, it was taken to across the mountains to Cimarron. And at that point, there was a big war between the cowboys and the farmers and the sheep people. And the cowboys got very upset with the press, whoever was printing the paper, and roped it and threw it in the river there. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not. Makes a great image, <laughs> though. So there were many papers in Taos County in the 1800s, uh, mostly during the gold rush. So a lot of them are in Red River and other towns that are no longer existing. But there were some uh, papers in Taos, some Spanish papers. There was El Heraldo in 1896, El Malcriado, which means someone who's badly brought up or spoiled in 1897. In 1898, there was the Hispano Americano. In 1908, there was La Revista de Taos. And Jose Montaner was a very, um, very well-known editor. Mm. By the 1950s, when my dad was living in New Mexico, he bought the New Mexican in 1949, there were a couple of papers in Taos. Mm. Yeah. And just a heads up, we're actually, as we're recording this, looking at photos that the Taos News has of these older papers. So if you want to come and check out these lovely photos, they're here to view in the newspaper, but we're also going to be posting these images to our social media site. Um, yeah, so excellent. Okay, so the next question is, so Robert McKinney, who is your father, he started the Taos News in 1959. So how did he get into the business and how did he start the Taos News? <laughs> it's a long, shaggy dork story. Yeah. So my great-grandfather, uh, Robert Moody, was uh, a shipper on the Santa Fe Trail. He, was, he and his five brothers were, were British. So during the Civil War, they uh, flew the Union Jack on their prairie schooners. That way, the Confederate sympathizers and the Union sympathizers wouldn't raid their wagons. So he did very well. And after the... Um, Railroad came to Santa Fe in the 1880s. He went and shipped in Leadville, up to the mines mm -hmm. there. And he first settled near Trinidad, no, near Walsenburg, Colorado, had a ranch with P.T. Barnum. And then he went to uh, the Panhandle of Texas and had a ranch in Canadian Texas. So my father grew up uh, with his grandfather telling stories about the Santa Fe Trail and about Santa Fe, and he always liked the town. My grandfather, my father's father, was a missionary in the first Christian church, and his area of concern was southern Colorado and northern New Mexico. He built the first church in Alamosa, and my father grew up summers in Monte Vista. So he, um, my father would travel with his father around, and it was impossible to get converts. He tried in Cuesta. He tried in all those little towns. 
So, but he would go back and forth to Santa Fe, and he remembered one time that he had to back up the hill to one of the hills that was on the way to Santa Fe in his Model T because the engine was a little stronger going in reverse. <laughs> and my father would have to uh, run down to the river with a, a bag and get uh, water for the radiator. So my father always liked Santa Fe and Taos, and he was very poor, so he didn't have enough money to buy any papers. So what happened? <laughs> well, he, he, had, uh, he went to high school in Amarillo, where he was uh, in school with my mom. And then he went to the University of Oklahoma, uh, where he actually got suspended for about three months for writing what was considered pornography there in the uh, school literary magazine of which he was editor. Uh, it wasn't very pornographic, but the subject happened to be the dean of women's students. So the administration took a very dim view of that and kicked him out. But his uncle was a, the U.S. senator from Oklahoma. So, so that he, didn't last long. It didn't last long. Yeah. And when he graduated, he graduated Phi Beta Kappa, and he could speak Latin. He could read Latin and Greek and, and uh, majored in English. He decided he never wanted to go back to Oklahoma, so his cousin Robert Young, who was actually married to George O'Keefe's sister, his cousin Robert Young had a company in New York that, that advised people on buying and selling stocks. So my father was offered a job there. He put everything he owned in a trunk, a steamer trunk, and put it on the train. And one thing he had in the steamer trunk was the f gold Phi Beta Kappa key. Phi Beta Kappa's like the highest academic award. And when he won it, they gave him this gold key. So he put that in his trunk, too. The railroad lost his trunk. He had it insured. So he got to the uh, company in New York, and since he was the junior member— and it was the depths of the Depression. They had him doing a lot of research into companies that were almost worthless penny stocks. So he uh, learned about all these railroad companies all over the country that were almost worthless but had a lot of land. So he bought stock in them for pennies. <laughs> and eventually they uh, became very valuable because the land was recognized as being valuable. By 1949, he was married to my mom, who, whose family has a ranch in eastern New Mexico, and they came out and bought the Santa Fe, New Mexico. So uh, 10 years later, he was at a party in Alcalde, and he heard about the uh, Taos News being for sale. He was sitting at the pool in, at Swan Lake Ranch, and he was sitting next to George O'Keefe. And George O'Keefe mentioned to him that the Newspaper in Taos had just shut down. So he got up from the party, went back to Santa Fe, which probably annoyed my mother, and got a crew together, and he uh, started the Taos News. And it, there was a publication on the streets by the following Thursday. Oh, my goodness. So they didn't miss a beat. And uh, the original offices were in Cabot Plaza. Mm -hmm. 
And then they moved to uh, the corner of uh, Placitas and Ranchitos, which was the Isabella Mares grocery store. He had it remodeled by the architect Gene Sanchez from a long, low adobe building that faced east to the one that has that real pretty uh, territorial porch. Mm-hmm. So we were there for years until we outgrew it. And now we're here at the corner of Gustorf. Yes, we are right next down the street from the county buildings, which is great. And we're um, and that's actually a great place to stop for our break. And we'll be right back. Okay. We'll be back to Voices of Taos after a quick message from our publisher. Hello, I'm Chris Baker, the publisher of the Taos News. I hope you're enjoying the latest episode of Voices of Taos. Our talented staff works hard to bring you the best in local news and entertainment, and we couldn't do it without your support. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Taos News. If you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. By subscribing, you have 24-hour access to our online edition and receive the paper delivered to your home or business. And you also get 25 magazines covering the finest of northern New Mexico, including Taos Women, Tradiciones, and the best of Taos. To start your subscription, visit us at taosnews.com today. And I appreciate your support. And we're back to Voices of Taos. This week, our guest is Robin McKinney-Martin, and she's been sharing with us a bit of the history of the Taos News. Um, So I'm curious a little bit about how you got involved in the papers now that we've kind of established what happened to um, your father, my grandfather, in owning the Taos News. So what was your educational background I went to high school in Santa Fe, and then I went east and majored in geology. The reason I majored in geology is because I thought I wanted to be in the newspaper business. And New Mexico is a state that really depends on the extractive industries, mining at that point, and now more oil and gas. So I thought that if I understood that, I'd understand a lot about New Mexico. And um, I was working, I worked for a while in the geology field. Then I went to business school at UNM. By that time, the Taos News had a really good reputation. It won the New Mexico Press Association's General Excellence Awards every year. And it had done a lot of investigative reporting. It, uh, there was some problems with the school board and, and uh a lot of the Indian Camp Dam was very controversial. The return of Blue Lake, so the Taos News covered all that. And I came in 1978. Yeah, and you were young. You were just 25. And one more thing to note is that my mother went to school, went to college quite young. You were only 17 when you went and you were also in the first accepted class of women at Princeton. Is that correct? No. The first, there was a class before me. Okay, the second class. But I, when I was applying, it was, that class was just being matriculated. <laughs> totally. And it, and you, but you had friends from, other friends from northern New Mexico who were in school with you at Princeton. Yes, Mar- right? Marcia Gonzalez, who's, 
a family-owned Taos Gravel, uh, Beatrice Gonzalez, had a lot of businesses in Taos later on. And Marcia and her family still live here. Wonderful. So it's fun to, they they're, have nothing to do with uh, Taos Gravel anymore, but they do, uh, they do live here. Great. So, so you just, you'd been, you were 25, you'd finished your education back east, and you'd traveled around a little bit. So what was it like coming to Taos as a 25-year-old and pub- becoming a publisher and an owner at such a young age? Well, it was really a shock. What happened was my father, in the early 1970s, sold the New Mexican to Gannett. And because of a Security Exchange Commission regulation, he had to sell the Taos News, too, even though he didn't want to. So uh, three years later, he he had an agreement with Gannett that he could buy it back. So he called me up three years after the sale of the New Mexican and, and the Taos News and said, okay, do you want the Taos News? And I said, uh. <laughs> and he said, you want it or I'm going to sell it. So... That's how I started out here. Oh, my goodness. Talk about putting you on the spot. <laughs> I was at taking accounting and, and business law at UNM. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish that there had been a, a UNM campus here now then because for a, quite a long time I had to commute to Albuquerque to class. Oh, my for, goodness. Yeah. yeah, that's a long that's a long drive. So what was the Taos News like in 1978. Well, it had a pretty good history. Tony Hillerman was editor there for a while, and Lou Thompson, who was the flack for the Molly Corps, had been the uh, ad manager. So uh, we had a lot of ads, and we had good news coverage. So Billy Blair was the editor. She did a great job, and um, we kept on going. It was a, kind of a different life after we what we said, put the paper to bed, which meant put it on the bus to go to (laughs) uh, Albuquerque to get printed, Uh, we were able to ski on Wednesdays. It was just wonderful before all this technology made things so immediate. Um, There was always controversy. And before I got there and remodeled the building a bit. There had been a wood floor in that big old Isabella Morris grocery store. And the editor had his desk in the corner, which we still have here. And one of the irate customers came in and dumped a a bucket full of manure on the editor's desk. Oh, my goodness. So it's always, people have always been mad at the paper, but that's fine because that's what we do. We, We talk about things that are uncomfortable and we if we think something in the government's not going right, we let people know. So what do you think continues to make the Taos News special? We just won the New Mexico Press Association um, award for the best weekly paper of our size again, and we've been winning it for a bit. Yes, and also the best weekly paper in the United States with the National Newspaper Association. Too. Can't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, I think having local ownership is, is important because you know the history of a community, you know where the bodies are buried, and you know when something's about to blow up that you can uh, 
look into it and maybe keep it from blowing up. Mm. uh, I'm pretty local. I was born in Santa Fe, and I lived in Taos for quite a long time until my mother, who owned a farm just south of here, got Alzheimer's disease, and my husband and I, my husband Mead Martin and I had to go down there and take care of it. My daughter, Laura, who's talking to me now, was born at Holy Cross, and my son was born in in Santa Fe because there was, the obstetrician at that point was not available in Taos. It happens every once in a while. So uh, we just care about the community. I think that's part of it. We don't, it's not the money, it's the uh, community and saving democracy and saving the way the town feels, saving uh, the honesty of the government. Absolutely. And I, what would you tell other newspapers in small communities that are struggling to keep their papers going? What would you say to encourage them to try and find funding or to um, find resources in their community to make sure that they have their voice in their in their towns and cities. So many are closing down all over the country, but it's yeah. it's not really the newspapers. It's in many cases the communities that are being emptied out. Uh, rural areas are losing population, and what used to be pretty important downtowns with a grocery store, a local grocery store, and a local clothing store, and a feed store have all been completely emptied out with the big box stores being built nearby and killing all the local businesses, which were the advertisers. So there's really not much to do about it. There, I, Taos is a very good town because there's a mix of businesses and a lot of it's tourism. Our magazines are many of them directed to tourists, and and they certainly help pay for the news coverage. Yeah. So there's, it's key being able to diversify what you're offering to the community so you can get funding from that as well. Well, traditionally, the the weekly newspapers would have had, uh, each grocery store would have bought two pages of ads so that that, that would have been four pages in the Taos News because there were two grocery stores. And there would have been uh, the car dealers. They would have bought two-page ads each, and there were two of them. So there were other big ads, pennies, <laughs> Sears. <laughs> right. And it wasn't that hard to support the paper, but now those are all gone. So luckily we have a lot of businesses that uh, cater to art collectors and and, uh, outdoors enthusiasts and museum goers. Uh, Taos is just really lucky. I I think my dad made a good choice Mm -hmm. when he started the the newspaper in Taos instead of in Tucumcari or uh, Clayton or Grants. Yeah. Taos is very passionate about supporting its local businesses and as we've seen about the chains trying to come into town 
we're referring to the most recent burning of the yes, Starbucks Center, which that we, is terrible. It is. It's it would provide a lot of jobs. But the point being is that Taos is very passionate about its small businesses, and we're that's one reason that we're able to be here is we can support that community back. So yeah, we're small business supporting small businesses. Yeah. And so now, so you have two excellent teams, one at the New Mexican doing the daily paper and one here at the Taos News doing the weekly paper. So you're just an owner. You're not a publisher anymore working day to day. What do you do for fun here? What do I do is 24-7 I worry about the newspapers. That's my main job. Not that I'm writing stories all the time or selling ads, but I do worry and plan. And for fun, I like to ski. I like to hike with my dog. I like to garden. My husband, Mead, and I are um, site stewards for the Santa Fe National Forest, and we've adopted a a ruin up on the way to uh, Abiquiu. And we go check it every so often to be sure there have been no pot hunters or other kinds of disturbance of the site. And that's real gratifying. It's, it's a fun project. Yeah, and you both enjoy archaeology, and that's how you met. Is that correct? Well, we, we work for the School of American Research on a archaeological excavation at Royondo, which is the one down south of Santa Fe. Mm. So that's pretty cool that you all continue to do something that yeah. you started doing when you were early days dating, too. Well, actually, I uh, went to high school with him. It's not very romantic. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. Excellent. And Laura has a brother who's a, a engineer in living in Washington, D.C. He works at the Goddard Space Flight Center, so we're real proud of him. Laura has husband, Max Baseman, whose family's from Taos. He was born here. And they live in Santa Fe at a and work in Taos. And then my um, son's girlfriend, uh, Neraida Espinosa, Neri, is from Dallas in Mexico City. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome family. Yeah. And and, me, oh, I'm sorry. And yeah. my husband's family, Mead's family's from El Rito, the one West of the uh, Ojo Caliente. Yeah, and so the Martins from El Rito, there used to be that the family general store, the building that used to be the general store says, still says Martins yes. on top of it, even though it's a private residence now. But it's cool to see the family history from that little community, too. And they still have the family ranch in uh, El Rito. Yes. And uh, Mead's grandmother was a nurse up there. And his grandfather had the um, general store in a ranch, and he was the first president of uh, northern, what's now northern uh, New Mexico College. Uh, used to be the El Rito Normal School. Thank you so much to our guest, Robin McKinney-Martin, my mother, for joining us today. And we really appreciate having a bigger perspective of the history of this institution is, and we also look forward to hosting other members of the Taos News staff on this podcast so our listeners can 
have a better idea of the people who are behind the wonderful paper that comes out every week and all the news and the special sections that we produce. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Taos, a podcast by the Taos News. This episode was produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Music by Miles Bonney. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos.